In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Three and a half years now since the day during a gathering of younger-ish Episcopal priests when they asked us each to go around the circle and identify a goal or something we wanted to be true about our ministry. And then they divided us into smaller discussion groups to work on change plans based on similar goals. And I recall that I said something about wanting to be more courageous about speaking up and saying what I knew to be the gospel truth even when it wasn't specifically my job to do it. But somehow the way I said it, or the way they heard it, it did not land me in the Claiming Our Voices discussion group. It landed me in the Struggling with Success discussion group. The people who wanted to be less concerned about ambition and landing in the right jobs and being noticed and respected by the right people to advance. And it was clear to me that this was not the right group for me. And I mentioned that these were not actually my concerns, that I was happy to be an associate doing youth ministry. I had no desire to be a rector or a dean or anything like that. And the gentleman sitting across from me in this group, we'll pretend his name was Hutch, proceeded to mansplain to me that really I must actually be concerned about these issues, very deeply concerned, because it was just part of being smart and capable, and certainly I was wrong about myself. And later, when I shared with my week-long small group this frustration, this sense that I was in the wrong group and I had been chastised for thinking my own thoughts, one of the guys in my regular small group, we'll call this one Dante, asked me, so did you call them on it? And I went, oh, um, no, no, I didn't. And Dante looked at me and said, with the world's gentlest, most loving smirk on his face, hmm, sounds to me like you were in the right group after all. There is no commentary, no study guide, and I've read a bunch, that teaches me as well and deeply what Jesus is talking about in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, as this experience does. In that moment when Dante said that, I knew that I had been like the Pharisee. I had taken my eye off of what I felt God was inviting me to work on, and I had gotten distracted by self-righteousness about not being tempted by ambition like Hutch was, or not being an annoying mansplainer like he was, and I forgot what the Pharisee forgot. What's expressed so marvelously in our opening hymn from today that I'm going to ask you to take your hymnals out and open back up to hymn 470 again, and then turn back a page to hymn 469. And we're going to sing the first verse together in the other tune that goes with this hymn text, and let both of these versions work on us today. And once we're finished singing that first verse, keep your hymnal open for the rest of this sermon, because we're going to keep coming back here.
remembered, I thought. I should have focused on myself, on my own growth. I should have spoken up. I should have been less judgmental. I spent quite a while, as they said on Saturday Night Live, shoulding all over myself. And eventually, I had to realize that I had shifted from being the Pharisee to thinking more like the tax collector. I am a miserable sinner, and there is no good in me. None. Nada. I have failed, and I will probably always fail, because this is what happens to miserable sinners with no good in them. The tax collector knows the sorrow of having failed to be what God wants us to be. But I came to the conclusion a while back that I'm not sure I like being the tax collector any better. And I'm not sure Jesus' point was ever for us to be tax collectors. The tax collector, after all, as a stock character, gets dressed down for plenty of other things in other parts of the gospel. So I think here he may just be a foil, the other extreme from the Pharisee. At least for me, too much time in the tax collector's shoes leads me to self-pity and self-doubt, and I know that I can't live in that place either. Let's sing verse 2. to name, I find that it is more real, more tangible, 
if we believe it for each other and speak it to each other. Neither the Pharisee nor the tax collector was able to step outside of his own prayer enough to dare to tell the other that God's love is big enough and deep enough to be for us, even when we look at ourselves and see an utter failure, even when we look at ourselves and think that we are already righteous before God. But we need to do that. We need to do it for each other whenever we can remember to believe it, because all of us have moments of looking at ourselves and seeing failure. I used to hedge my bets on that sentence. I used to say most of us in case it was not true or did not speak for all of us. But I am willing now at this point in my life to claim that absolute because in eight years as a priest, not to mention 36 as a person, I have not met one single human being who does not have this experience, who has not had at least one moment of looking in the mirror and seeing failure whether it's a failure to live according to what God tells us we should do, or a failure to be humble and merciful and not think too highly of ourselves. Most of us have these moments with some regularity. Some of us have them frequently, even daily or more. So it helps a whole lot to be reminded sometimes by someone who we know believes it's true, that God's label for us is beloved, and not failure. Verse 3. Let's end with first verse one more time. 